0: The market still quite doesn't know where we're going to land in terms of interest rates. You know, how many rate hikes are we going to see in 2022? And what does that mean for the rest of the curve as well?
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The first few weeks of 2022 have brought heightened market instability with a rapid increase in interest rates and equity market volatility. In today's episode, Chris McKinney, Matt Montemiro, and your host, Mark Reyes, discuss a resetting of interest rate expectations and the resulting market sell-off. Our experts provide fixed income strategies to manage the current environment and discuss the strong performance of Canada's energy sector. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca.
2: Hello and welcome to our BMO ETFs weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in today. We really appreciate your time. We're joined today by Chris McCaney and Matt Montemuro, both our portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having us.
2: Good morning. Appreciate it. Let's get right into things. Certainly seeing volatility pick up uh, as we head through January here. In fact, I think we can even call it a bit of a sell-off at this point. Is it a basket of concerns or something specific setting off investors and markets right now? Now, of course, we know we can't call market bottoms, but is there a catalyst you see to pull us out of the red? And as a follow-up to that conversation, Canada, as measured by ZCN, our TSX composite ETF, remained positive for the year, unlike the U.S. and international. So what's been setting Canada apart? Thanks.
0: Sure, Mark. Just take a look at the scorecard off the bat here. First of all, um, as you mentioned, you know, markets down year-to-date so far with the S&P 500 down about 4%. The NASDAQ down a little bit more than that, 7% year-to-date, but also a little bit more than 10% off of its all-time high, which was late last year. So certainly in the NASDAQ, uh, we're seeing a little bit more selling pressure there. And of course, you know, in Canadian dollar terms for Canadian investors, those markets down even a little bit more as the U.S. dollar has weakened relative to the Canadian dollar. And then, as you say, the TFX comps are relatively flat so far year to date. So somewhat spared from this market sell off, but certainly certain sectors still feeling pressure within Canada as well. And, you know, really what's driving this, what I think is happening here is we're getting a resetting of interest rate expectations going on. And so what that's doing is moving interest rates very quickly. So it's not just the fact that rates are rising or rates are going up. And and in fact, they are, you know, in the US, rates, um, you know, in the 10 year area, seven to 10 year area, up 40 basis points so far this year. So that's a big move in just a couple of weeks. In Canada, rates are up even a little bit more, about 45 basis points. And that's almost across the curve uh, in Canada. So you're seeing 10-year rates now above 185, 186, 187, and in Canada, 188. So rates are going up, but it's not just the fact that they're going up. Again, it's the speed with which that is happening, this 40 basis point move over a matter of a couple of weeks. You know, we like to do, we do a lot of work in the volatility markets, and we don't just look at equity market volatility. It's interest rate volatility as well. And what we see right now is that interest rate volatility being very, very high, um coupled with equity market volatility being high and so when we have a high vol regime in both the rates and the equity markets you know traditionally that's that's bad for equity investors for for riskier sort of assets
1: and really what it's
0: telling you is that the market still quite doesn't know where we're going to land in terms of interest rates how many rate hikes are we going to see in 2022 and what does that mean for the rest of the curve as well so there's a lot of uncertainty still around where these rates are going to land, how many hikes we're going to see, and that's causing trouble with equity market valuations because, of course, valuations are tied to the level of interest rates, and if you don't know where those rates are going to land, it's hard to do that, that sort of work. Um, and so that's what's troubling the equity markets right now in terms of a catalyst to see you know what's pulling out of the red or, or for that to slow down a little bit. I think it really is just a reduction in the volatility of, of these interest rate moves. So a calming down effect, so to speak, of uh, of the interest rate market that'll cause uh, equity investors to get a little bit more comfortable with their valuations of the equity market. And so if we see that slow down a little bit and we're going to start to get, um, you know, uh, central bank meetings, particularly in Canada, uh, relatively soon coming up here, you know, the market might get a little bit more information, might digest that a little bit better um and and maybe we'll see a little bit of a reduction in that interest rate volatility but again that's really what i think is the key to this it's not whether rates are going up or down it's the speed at which that's happening and the volatility around uh, around those moves as you say in canada we're a little bit different here Our, our market is just flat so far year to date and you know really what's driving that is the the sector makeup of the canadian market um, you know, it's it's financials and energy in Canada, as, as most people know, that make up the bulk of the index. Um, and we're in an environment where both of those are performing very well. You know, higher interest rates are actually good for financials and banks in particular and, and insurance companies as well. So we've seen the financial sector, which is the largest in, in ZCN and in the TSX composite, uh, we've seen financials perform very well so far uh, out of the gate here uh, in 2022. Um, so that's that's. Um, holding up our our market here up in Canada, as well as, again, the energy sector as well. We see oil prices, um, you know, WTI back over $86 now. Um, And so we're at a high point of several years in terms of that oil price. And so that's, um, you know, setting a floor and and really supporting um, the entire energy patch and and very, very productive for oil prices and therefore oil companies, uh, and oil and gas companies. And so those two large sectors that make up again, really the bulk of the Canadian market are in uh, conditions right now that are actually very favorable. And so those two sectors performing very well, keeping the equity markets up here in Canada, uh, while we're seeing sell offs elsewhere. Um, And, you know, we kind of um, you know, as I mentioned, those two sectors performing well, but others in Canada, you know, maybe not so much, they just make up a little bit less uh, of the overall market. But in general, um, Canadian market doing well and, and having um, uh, conditions that support that, and we expect that to continue going forward. So we, we like Canada. We like ZCN um, as a market going forward. And, and again, hopefully, once we get a little bit more um, uh, calming down of the volatility around the interest rate market, the, the, the rest of the equity markets will uh, uh, we'll, we'll find some stability as well.
2: Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And as you say, I think the sector makeup really makes a difference up here as you're you're certainly seeing the more growthier tech names um, are experiencing that volatility right now up here in Canada, certainly hitting hitting Shopify more than anything, but we are backed as a market uh, by the banks and and other uh, more mature companies.
1: Save the date, BMO podcast listeners. Starting January the 27th, the BMO ETF team will begin streaming a limited three-part series where BMO experts will share comprehensive research and timely, actionable ideas to position your clients for the future. Register now at bmoetfsforum.com. That's B-M-O-E-T-F-S-F-O-R-U-M.com.
2: Let's say within this fixed income theme, and we're certainly hearing a course, a more hawkish tone from central bankers expecting a number of rate increases uh, this year. So it doesn't feel like advisors can, can follow the, the same practice of, of sheltering in the short end of the curve. I'm just taking a quick look at the Canadian two-year. It's up about 35-odd points over this uh, short rise. Where would you position on the interest rate curve uh, as we head into and through 2022? Thanks
3: yeah i can I can uh take that one mark and you know i'll I'll kind of piggyback some of uh chris's uh comments uh, earlier with with the first question and you know, I think central bankers have definitely come into 2022 with a with a clear agenda. You know, I think after some pointed comments leading uh, up to year end in in December, you know, and inflation, especially uh, in the U.S., really starting to scare investors. You know, I think central banks have been very hawkish in their tone to to start the year. You know, I think you know it's funny, but you know, as Chris had said, you know, it's it's a whole three weeks into. The new year, and we've already seen the market uh, react pretty drastically to to that kind of uh, that tone by the central banks. You know, we've seen the yield curve steepen. Uh, You know, in Canada, you know, we see a bear steepener pattern right now, as longer-term rates uh, are outpacing shorter-term rates, uh, mainly due to those increasing inflation fears. Uh, Not only have we seen a steepening of the yield curve, uh, but we've seen a meaningful pop in yields. Uh, so, you know, Chris had mentioned a couple of details. I'll go into a little bit more here. So, you know, you see five-year, 10-year, 30-year yields all up over 40 basis points in just the three weeks since uh, since we've uh, come into 2022. And, and let's keep in mind that given the low absolute level of yields, you know, 40% is not an insignificant move relative considering where we were. Um, you know, so with those move in rates, uh, you know, we've started to see, Fixed income struggle to start 2022. Unfortunately, we see seeing a little bit of underperformance kind of across the curve, um, especially uh, in the long end. Given that 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 quick spike and that that very um, kind of maybe unexpected spike in rates that we have seen to start uh, 2022. You know, looking at market expectations, I think all eyes are on the uh, Bank of Canada meeting next week. I think right now the market is pricing in about a seventy three percent probability of a hike as well as a very aggressive interest rate path for the remainder of twenty twenty two which includes over six rate hikes for the entire year. You yeah. know I just look at that and and i say look that that's that seems to be a very, very optimistic view of of What the Bank of Canada's potential is, you know, I look at that and say, if that does come to fruition, what I would expect to see is that we would see a flattening of the yield curve. You'll see longer-term rates should be tempered by some lower inflation expectations and lower economic growth expectations. You know, but if that doesn't happen, what do we do? If it's if it if we are in a rising rate environment, but it's not as aggressive as the market expects, you know, what do we do? How do we uh, react to that? So you know, I personally think that market expectations have overshot, uh, and that the Bank of Canada will act less aggressively in such a small period of time. You know, I, I don't, I don't see them going, you know, six for eight in terms of uh, rate uh, increases uh, at their meetings for 2022. Um, you know, it's it, time will tell. See what happens next week. But again, I, I think given the lockdowns across the country, you know, I do. I do think that next week might be a little bit early to, to raise rates, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the course of action that they take because, you know, they do need to balance, you know, find that, that balance that happy medium between rising rates and choking out economic growth. And I think that's something that the Bank of Canada will be very cognizant of, um, you know, as they move forward this year. So at this point, you know, I think all eyes are on next week's meeting. But again, I'd be surprised if they acted this early. I think I think the the uh, March uh, timeline is a, pro- probably a little bit more um, realistic. But again, you know the market currently expects it, so it'll be very interesting to see kind of how that plays out. Um, so you know, if, if my expectation does come come to fruition and I see that, that rates do increase uh, in March, not in in January, you know, I think the Bank of Canada. You know, acting slower than the uh, market expects will keep inflation running hotter for longer. Um, You know, I think the Bank of Canada will be less aggressive than kind of what we currently expect, which will lead to some of those inflation fears continuing throughout uh, 2022. So, you know, from a positioning perspective, um, you know, I look at that, and, and, you know, although I would expect, you know, if the Bank of Canada did have that uh, path that the market expects, you'd expect to see some flattening. I still expect to see um, you know, a, a steeper yield curve and, and some risk on the horizon. So from a positioning perspective, I would look at credit as a way to help protect against rising rates. Um, corporate bond, corporate spreads are, you know, at manageable levels, I don't think that there's tons of, uh, of room where they're going to, you know, tighten 10, 15, 20 basis points, but I think structurally they're, they're in, uh, they're well capitalized right now. And I think right now we we are in an environment where I think credit can be, um, a, a aid and a protection to your portfolio. I like Z triple B personally. I think it's an excellent way to isolate a very specific credit segment. So, you know, it's the lowest level of investment grade credit. You know, you're taking advantage of that additional yield premium and uh, protecting yourself from from rising rates. You know, from a duration perspective, you're looking at about four and a half years. So you're seeing kind of a hybrid of a short mid-exposure there. Um, you know, I, I think that's prudent right now. I, I would still be hesitant to go fully, long duration, Um, you know, and and as Mark mentioned in the question, you know, the the short end was not a place to hide so far starting in 2022. You know, I'd also look at ZCB. That gives you full universe exposure, gives you you exposure across the curve in in corporate credit. So depending on how quickly or slowly the Bank of Canada acts, you'd have some sort of uh, exposure in your portfolio to take advantage of that. You know, that duration of that portfolio is about six and a half years. You know, I think overall, you know, both of those ETFs would be a good complement to your kind of core, you know, your aggregate uh, bond um, fixed income exposure. you know. So I think that's the way I would look to tilt my portfolio and where I would target my portfolio, looking to kind of at, continue to have some duration, but not really going fully long and not putting all my bets in, in that basket, but while taking advantage of that additional yield you earn from corporate bonds to protect yourself from this rising rate environment. Great. Thanks
2: for all that, Matt. Well- We'll certainly look back at your your call. I like it. It's, uh, it's good to get out there and uh, make a call. So we'll see we'll see what the BOC does and and how we progress this year. Uh, but, to, but to your point, I think the economy is a lot more fragile than perhaps some are thinking. I, certainly, last night watching the news, hearing that grocery stores might even close as uh, as they're short staffed with uh, the Omicron virus. So let's stay with fixed income. Now we've talked about inflation. A little bit. Uh, certainly, when we all saw the print of seven percent out of the U.S., that was quite a bit of sticker shock. A quick one to continue on with fixed income. What would you suggest as a tool within fixed income to help advisors deal with inflation risks?
3: Yeah. So you know, as, as you said, Mark, you know, inflation continues to heat up. You know that that inflation U.S. inflation print last week at seven percent. You know that's the highest year-over-year year increase since 1982. So you know we we haven't seen this these levels of inflation in in a very long time. Uh, you know Canadian inflation is a bit more tempered. Um, you know but still remains a concern. You know Canadian inflation actually just printed you know 30 minutes ago uh, at 4.8%. Um, that is in line with expectations. So you know Canada is not surprising on the upside as much as the U.S., which is which is uh, I think I think a a good indicator. Um, within, within the economy, and, and I think something that the Bank of Canada will continue to keep an eye on. Um, but nonetheless, these are high and worrisome prints, and I, I think they lead to, you know, the central bank's hawkish tone. I think we, we see the Fed in the U.S. You know, they moved from you know September as the first hike date to now March in you know, a month and a half. And, you know, I think those, those kind of historic prints that we, that we hadn't seen in 30 plus years, I think those really start to weigh on the decisions that the central banks have to make and push them toward a much more aggressive path to rising rates than I think originally they expected. I think from an inflation break-even perspective, you're still seeing US break-evens continue to tick higher. Um, Canadian inflation seems to be leveling out. You see break evens kind of being range bound over the last several months. So, you know, that, that's, that's good to see from a Canadian inflation perspective. Still scary on the US side. Um, you know, looking forward as to, you know, the causes of inflation, you know, I do think supply chain concerns uh, are, are going to continue well into 2022. Um, you know, I think, as you had mentioned, you know, the, the Omicron variant is, is continuing to plague you know, economies globally. And I, I think that's going to be a, a cause of inflation um, across the board. You know, so I do think that we're going to be in a pattern of of kind of hotter inflation for longer. Um, and the central banks will basically have to be weary of, of rising rates too aggressively to not, you know, choke out economic growth and choke out kind of, you know, any sort of upside in, in the economy. So, you know, if we're going to be in an environment where inflation is going to continue for you know, potentially longer, um, I would look to protect myself from, from that on my especially on the fixed income allocation of your portfolio. So I would look at something like ztip.f, which is hedged back to Canadian dollars. You know, I think a five to ten percent allocation within your kind of traditional fixed income is very complementary. Uh, you know, I think that should offset some of the inflation risk that persists in the market as well. It does have a short duration positioning. So unlike, um, you know, we return bonds in Canada, which are, are you're, you're also you're making an inflation call and you're making a duration call. This one you're just kind of trying to isolate the impact of inflation on your portfolio. So overall, I think especially in the near term, the next six months, I think ZTIP.f is, is an extremely prudent and complementary way to protect your fixed income portfolio uh, for those kind of upcoming inflation risks.
2: Great, thanks for that
1: recommendation, Matt. BMO Portfolio Manager and Investment Strategist, Alfred Lee, has a newly released ETF Portfolio Strategy Report. In it, Alfred provides the latest strategy and insights for optimal portfolio positioning in the current environment. Alfred Lee's ETF Portfolio Strategy Report, now available on the Canadian ETF dashboard, BMOETFs.ca. I want to change gears now. Um,
2: Just doing some research looking back at the year-end flowcharts it's actually quite surprising to see the energy sector in outflows over the course of the year, considering the 60 plus percent return uh, for ZEO in 2021, our oil and gas ETF. What would you attribute this to? Is this profit taking or something else? And as well, what would your energy outlook be for 2022 using ZEO? Thanks.
0: Yeah, Mark, certainly, as you say, very strong returns for ZEO and for the oil and gas sector in general in in 2021. But a lot of that has to do with where it was coming from, you know, exiting 2020. Um, You know, we actually saw uh, mid-2020, we saw a large inflow into oil and gas uh, sector ETFs, in particular ZEO. Um, You know, a couple of months after the oil futures price famously went negative. I think um, you know, a lot of investors probably saw that as an opportunity to get into that sector with, with prices still very low. Um, and then certainly, we saw that start to take off in 2021, um, sort of leveled off in 2020, and then really took off in 2021. And then in the back half of 2021, you know ZEO uh, the price of that ETF actually got back to where it was pre-pandemic, sort of that late 2019, early 2020 level. And so I think there probably was an element of profit taking there. There was, um, you know, again, investors getting in at lower prices um, and then riding that up back to what we'll call more normalized prices. And so I think, you know, investors have been using this ETF and others in the sector more tactically. And I think that's a great way to use sector ETFs actually is to bolt on some of that exposure when it looks attractive you know, just a, a smaller allocation to the core portfolio to tilt that portfolio to those sectors that look attractive. And then when that thesis is done, when that when that trade is finished, um, able to take those sector exposures back off and then maybe reallocate to somewhere else that, that might look a little bit more attractive. And, you know, that's, again, largely what sector ETFs have been designed to do. And it's good to see that investors are actually doing that um you know in, in fact we have seen uh, even though again you mentioned outflows in in 2021 um still early days here in 2022 but we've seen an inflow back into that sector so far this year and so i think uh, again with oil prices um being as strong as they are uh investors looking at this as another opportunity perhaps um to uh, to, to get in at, um, with, with with prices moving up now, again, what's driving that oil price, I think a lot of it does have to do with, um, you know, just economic activity ramping up significantly from very low levels. Um, it's it's obviously hard to predict what that pattern is going to look like going forward. But if you look at the futures curve um, in the oil market, if you look at WTI, that sort of North American benchmark, um, you know, the market is expecting oil to stay above seventy dollars all the way through twenty twenty three. So we're, that's that's about two years of runway of seventy plus um, dollars in oil price, and not getting back down to that sixty dollar level until several years, um, even further into the future. So um, again, the market does expect to see that oil come down to sixty, but that's really several years out still, um, and that's sort of that pre pandemic. Uh, Oil price that that oil traded up for most of 2019 or so. So, again, let's call that what we the the pre pandemic or more normal market conditions. Um, That's kind of what the market sees as the equilibrium oil price. Um, But again, not seeing us get back there for for several more years. Um, And that's largely due just to increased economic activity. You know, we've heard a lot about supply chain disruptions and things like that, moving goods and moving goods through ports and around the world. Um, across countries, on land, whatever it is, that involves oil and gas. And of course, you know, producing goods as well involves oil and gas as well. So uh, very intensive use of that, of that resource um, going on globally right now. And again, that's expected to continue for a couple of years. So we're pretty um, constructive on ZEO as that exposure to oil and gas. Again, we think that's um, levered to a, a reopening sort of economy that we expect in 2022. Um, And again, we think that the the oil price, just looking at the futures market um, should support that going forward, at least over the next couple of years of relatively high oil prices. Um, And so ZEO a great way to take advantage of that exposure to uh, an equal weight basket of Canadian oil and gas companies. And again, very efficient in terms of being able to put that into your portfolio, um, ride that that thesis and, and watch that play out. Um, and when you're more comfortable going somewhere else, being able to take that off very quickly and reallocate to other areas of the market.
2: Great. Thanks for that, Chris.
0: We've got one more for today.
2: Uh, We've had advisors asking about factor exposure and factor rotation as the recovery matures. Uh, You you might believe that we're past the initial expansion phase or we might still be in, in the back half of that but what factors should advisors be considering and what ETF would you recommend for portfolios considering that factor? Thanks.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a conversation we'll probably have much more over the next few months and maybe throughout 2022 or the first half of 2022. As you say, um, you know, more investors will start to look at the recovery and Um, As we slowly move out of that early expansion phase, investors will start to think about, okay, how do I position uh, myself going forward, given what's already happened in the past? You know, we've seen um, the value factor and small caps perform very well in this reopening sort of environment. Um, And as you say, maybe that's still going on for a little bit here. But I think we're starting to have to have that conversation about, um, you know, how do I take some of that risk off the table and where else do I put it? Uh, as you say, what other factors might make sense? Um, and we've, you know, we've had a lot of talk uh, already about inflation and, and growth as well. And so I think, depending on your outlook for those two variables, um, that will determine which sort of factor you might want to look at. Uh, again, as the uh, expansion slows down, you know, we do still expect um, significant economic growth and activity, just at lower levels from where we have been. And so, you know, typically that favors that quality factor or a dividend-oriented factor. And so, you know, moving into those sort of areas, you know, if we're looking at the U.S. market, ZUQ is our quality exposure. ZDY would be a dividend exposure. That starts to, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit, so to speak. You know, if you're uh, full acceleration in your exposure to small caps and value, um, by moving to quality and dividends, again, you're just taking your foot off the gas a little bit having exposure to that growth element um, and that growth potential, but again, just taking a little bit uh, of that risk off the table and and moving into more quality-oriented companies, um, those companies that generate cash flow. Um, So again, quality is about cash flow generation, high ROEs and low debt ratios. Um, Dividend-related exposure is more about companies that are cash generative and and can pay out um, excess returns or excess cash flow back to investors in the form of dividends. So very well capitalized companies with strong business models. So again, if you're looking at the US, ZUQ would be your quality exposure, ZDY would be your dividend exposure. Globally, you might want ZEQ as a European uh, quality exposure, Um, or you can just go global and have ZGQ, that's your global if you don't want to pick a certain geography. Go into ZGQ, that will give you exposure to global quality companies. Um, if you think the expansion is going to slow down maybe a bit quicker um, and you're a little bit more worried about um, you know, downside risk, then you have to start thinking about moving into that low vol factor, maybe more into dividends and low vol and a little bit less away from quality perhaps. Um, but again, low vol would would, would really give you that, that more protection towards downside risk it, you know, if you are concerned about a stagflationary type of environment where, um, you know, we're talking about central banks raising interest rates quite a bit in 2022, if they do raise rates significantly to, to reduce um, demand and, and, and growth, um, but are not able to um, choke off inflation due to structural concerns, that'll leave us with no growth but still high inflation, that stagflation sort of environment. Um, and so the low-vol factor is what you would want to look to. Uh, In that environment, that that, uh, factor performs very, very well in that stagflationary type of environment. Of course, low volatility represented by ZLB here in Canada, our popular Canadian low vol uh, equity ETF, but also ZLU in the US or ZLI uh, for international exposure. So I think those are some of the factors you're going to have to start thinking about um, as, as investors reposition their portfolios in 2022, depending on how this economic expansion plays out. Um, but I think, again, this is a conversation we're probably going to have a few more times um, over the next several months. Right. Thanks for that, Chris.
2: And certainly, advisors are starting to think about that ro- rotation. And it's, as you say, probably still early days, but could be looking ahead and considering other options in the marketplace. So, with that, that's all the questions we have for today. So, I'd like to thank everyone for your time. Thanks for listening in. We appreciate your support. Of course, thanks to both Matt and Chris, some great answers today, some good conversations and lots of things that we can take back uh, to our own practices, our own days and uh, look to enhance our portfolio. So thank you. And with that, I just want to thank everyone listening in one last time and have a great
1: day. Thank you to Mark Rays, Chris McKinney and Matt Monemiro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about investment strategies to hedge against interest rate volatility, including the BMO B Corporate Bond Index ETF, ZBBB, which has a hybrid short mid-term duration exposure that can insulate portfolios during interest rate hikes. Our experts also discussed the BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ZEO, as a tactical tool with the current sustained demand for energy caused by economic reopening plans. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.